1: Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is sports Garden G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number four G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. And we have a ton of stuff to talk about today. Look, the Lakers going out there making their moves. Oh, they are they good moves? Are they bad moves? Well, they're old moves. I'll tell you that. We'll get into a little bit of Lakers stuff. Uh, The Yankees had COVID all week. We're going to talk about the results of the trade deadline and what happens now moving forward, especially with teams like the Yankees, Major League Baseball teams are getting hot. We're getting into that area where teams are starting to separate themselves. And I definitely want to talk about the NFL news and notes around the league, but I have to start with the big story, and that is Carson Wentz going down. Carson Wentz gets injured And this is massive because it has ripple effects throughout the NFL and throughout a betting forum. Because it's not just the Colts numbers that moved. The Tennessee Titans numbers moved. People are now looking at the Jaguars a little bit differently. Actually, the entire AFC can be different because it wasn't just a player that went down. This wasn't just whatever you think of Carson Wentz, okay, good or bad. Carson Wentz is not just a player. Carson Wentz is a quarterback... And he's a quarterback on a team that was supposed to win the division. And he's a quarterback on a team that's supposed to win the division that actually had Super Bowl aspirations. And it wasn't just a a team that you're going, oh, yeah, their fans think they can make it. No, quite a few people were lining up to say, you know what, Indy's my team this year. There's a surprise team. And the Indianapolis Colts are maybe that team. Well, this is an interesting scenario now that Carson Wentz goes down. So I want to start off and I want to, Sit here and talk about Carson Wentz first, okay? Uh, And what exactly he is and and who he is. I've been a big fan forever uh, since he came out of college. I thought he should have went number one over Jared Goff. And that's looking more and more like Mariota and Winston, isn't it, right? Uh, Going one, two. Both of these guys are on new teams. Both of these guys were supposed to be franchise quarterbacks. This is a bad situation, but Carson Wentz is a tough guy now because now his foot needs surgery. It was a injury that happened in high school. Philly just never decided to explore that. And he was you know a little bit hobbled so they checked it out, yeah, he needs surgery. Out 5 to 12 weeks. What we know about Carson Wentz right now, he's getting the label of injury prone and I think it's fair. I think he's an injury prone guy. And injury prone guys often don't heal very quickly. You also have to look at the quarterback position. And Carson Wentz plays quarterback in a way that he needs his legs. He's a running quarterback. Last year he scored five touchdowns. But basically he's getting between 60 and 70 rushes every year. 60 or 70 rushes in a 16-game season, guys. Think about that. He's getting some carries. He's getting some attempts there. Carson Wentz has a large part of his game is his mobility. So this is an injury you can't force him back quickly. You can't get him back early on and hope for the best. No, that's not going to happen here. As a quarterback, first of all, he's got to worry about, obviously, his legs and his mobility. He also has to worry about his plant foot. How much will that hurt? And if he changes his rotation, if he changes his mechanics, we'll call them, out there, is it going to be like a Major League Baseball pitcher that gets a thigh injury or hamstring injury or, or, in this case, a foot injury, changes his mechanics, and then all of a sudden he's going in for Tommy John? Because that's what happens here. All of a sudden, these guys change their delivery, change their approach, change their throwing motion, change things, and then they have arm problems. Carson Wentz, you can't have that with. The idea of bringing Carson Wentz in was not only the idea of, hey, we need a new quarterback for the Colts. It was, you know what? Frank Reich can give this guy confidence back. He's got all the talent in the world. He needs his confidence back. Well, now he goes down, and that confidence is shot. Oh, by the way, his number one offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, has a very similar injury bone issue in his foot. He will be down five to 12 weeks. Same kind of time frame. Now, he's come out in the media and he said, look, I'll be there for week one. I don't know if he's going to be there, but it's not as vital to make sure that he's 100%. He could go out there, Uh, but he is the number one lineman in the league. They also have another lineman. Their left tackle. Oh, by the way, Eric Fisher suffered a ACL injury at the AFC Championship game. So the Colts are kind of a mess, right? And we know as much as Carson Wentz is very important to this team. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, Quinton Nelson, one of five players to be named first-team All-Pro in his first three seasons, he is just as important, but he won't move the line. So you start to look at this game and uh, this team, and you start to look at the games that are in front of them. Right. And you go, well, Carson Wentz is in a position where, okay, Seahawks week one, Seahawks week one. The line went from three to two and a half. That's not a big jump. And I'm seeing it down to bet down to two and even one and a half in some spots. But that's not a huge jump. But we have to look at the schedule. Can they win week one? Well, they're still the favorites and they are at home. And it is week one. Now, I know Russell Wilson coming in is dangerous. I get that it's a, a tough situation to sit back and think, all right. But Seattle's defense isn't anything great. Can they run the ball with Jonathan Taylor? Can they do a, enough on the ground with Mac Taylor, and Hines? Can they do that? With beat-up offensive line? I'm not sure. I will give them a tentative win there. But that could easily go the other way. As a matter of fact, I think that that line is going to go all the way down to about a pickup because I think people are going to be loading up on Seattle. Week two, Rams. Look, I am not even that massively high on this Rams team, but I think this is way too big of a hill to climb. If Carson Wentz was in there, this is a game I couldn't go near. If Carson Wentz was healthy against the Rams, I, I, I don't know if I could have bet on it. I know it's a road game. But the Rams look that good. Now, all of a sudden, you got Aaron Donald going up against whatever replacement they throw in there. And this is all assuming that Carson Wentz doesn't come back. Because I think Carson Wentz comes back by week six. So I'm doing my estimations at that. So against the Rams, that's a loss. I'm giving them a one-on-one record. At the Titans in Week 3. With a healthy Carson Wentz, they would be an underdog here. And I am not high on the Titans this year. I think that they have a terrible defense. I don't believe Derrick Henry could last 17 games with this kind of workload. There's a lot of things I don't like about this Tennessee team. But I like them in Week 3. Against a Carson Wentz-less team. Maybe a Quentin Nelson-less team. So that's 2-1. and one. On the road to Miami down there to face the Fish. Again... Another game that, with a healthy Carson Wentz, kind of was a toss-up. With a healthy Carson Wentz, can the Colts go in there and win? Sure. Do I think they do? Probably not. I think Miami's favorite in that game. Now you don't have Carson Wentz? Do you think it's going to get better? No. Dolphins' defense is very good, and that's kind of the problem there. Seahawks' defense, not that good. Tennessee doesn't have a good defense at all, but it's on the road. Rams and Dolphins, they got good defenses. And what about week five? Week five, they have the Ravens defense in Baltimore. So I'm looking at these first five games, okay? Their 2020 combined record of the first five games, of the first five teams, 54 and 26. Guys, 54 and 26 is massive. This is a situation where if I'm giving them the Seahawks win, Which I think I'm going to get some pullback from you guys about that. But if I'm giving them the Seahawks win, they're losing to the Rams? That's one and two. That's one and one. Losing to the Titans? That's one and two. Losing to the Dolphins? That's one and three. Losing at the Ravens? That's one and four. They start the year at one and four, guys. Start the year at one and four. Now, their schedule after that opens up quite a bit. You got a lot of Houston's on the schedule, a lot of Jacksonville's on the schedule. I'm looking at this team and I'm going, okay, I think they could maybe squeak out nine wins if Carson Wentz comes back in week six and he looks like the Carson Wentz I expected him to look like in this in the offense. But early on, we're going week one, two, three, four, five. You, you could be 0-5. You could be 0-5. In comparison, oh, by the way... Let's go take a look at Tennessee's first five games. Well, they're minus three to open up against Arizona at home. I think that game can go either way, but you have to give them you have to give them a win. They're at home. The Cardinals' defense has improved, but not that much. It's going to be short. By the way, I love the over there. Um, but there you go. So you look at that team and you go, "All right, here we go." Um, you're looking at minus three in most spots. I want to go check it out what when we we sit sit back and you go, "Okay, there's a lot of hype on Tennessee." Oftentimes, people kind of just say that, and you go, well, how is it moving that line? How is that line kind of being moved? We're from two and a half to three. It's not being moved that much. By the way, that over-under is 51. How do you not love that over? So, I'm going 1-0 and for Tennessee, right? Plus three and a half at Seattle. You got to give them a loss there, but that's a winnable game. I don't love Seattle, but it's in Seattle. One and one. The Colts, the line is off right now. You know they're going to be favored, so I gave them a win there. That's two and one. At the Jets, they're going to be minus three, minus three and a half. They should be minus like six. I think they blast the Jets. That's three and one. And then I'm a big Jaguars guy this year. I like them on the value at nine to one to win the division. I think the Jaguars could threaten 500, maybe even be a wildcard team. I'm all over the Jags this year, but I still see minus three against the Jaguars. This is a team that very, very easily could be four and one or five and oh. When Indy would be sitting there, and Indy would be sitting there at 1-4 and 4 or 0-5. So this division is very quickly getting away from the Indianapolis Colts. Now again, I'm somebody that looks at Jacksonville and say, yeah, I, I think Jacksonville could be a player here. But it's really between the Titans, in most people's minds, at least the betting public. It's between the Titans, and obviously it's between uh, you know, the Indianapolis Colts, who still can be in this thing. Tennessee is minus 130 to win the AFC South that's a pretty good number right now. It's a pretty good number to make you tempt you and say, yeah, maybe I'm gonna go in on that. Maybe I'm gonna go take a shot at that. But I will say this, after that great run, after that miraculous little uh, stretch that the Titans have, oh, it gets difficult. So there might be some value in waiting this thing out. You take the Titans minus the 130 to win the division. Then you go back and you go take uh, Indianapolis in week five plus 350 or something like that. When they're oh, when they're 0-5 and, and Tennessee's 5-0, give me give me them plus like 600. I'll take a shot because here's Tennessee's schedule after those first five games. Buffalo, KC at Indy at the Rams. Oh, that's an 0-4 stretch. That's an 0-4 stretch right? Then you got New Orleans and Houston at New England, no no day at the park, Jacksonville to come home, then at Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Miami to close it out before going to Houston. I'm looking at this Tennessee team. Remember what I just said? Because I'm looking at this Tennessee team, and I'm going, you know what? They're a team that's about a nine-win team. So I have both of them, even even though there there is a massive, crazy schedule early on, I have both of them basically sitting there um, battling for the division at 9 wins. I don't know if either one of them get to 10. Maybe they get to 10. I don't think anyone's going to 12, 13 wins here. Tennessee doesn't have the defense to do that, and the Colts are all banged up. But it's an interesting scenario. From a betting perspective, this is what you have to do as a sports better, And if you want to be a, a very smart and... Uh, a profitable sports better, this is what you have to do. You have to sit back and you go, okay, Tennessee is the smart bet, but what kind of number can I get? Because I know that four-game stretch is coming. What kind of number can I get if the Colts start 0-4, and 5 Tennessee starts 4-1 and or 5-0. and Can I get plus 600? Can I get plus 700? Can I get a massive number? Because they can catch up. But it all depends on Carson Wentz. The other thing that I do want to say is that I'm not exactly sure that you know, the the quarterbacks that they have and who they bring in and all of that. I'm not exactly sure that it's a complete disaster because there's one thing that we know about Frank Reich. And the one thing we know about Frank Reich is this. He is an elite quarterback, development, and game planning coach. That's what he does, right? He had luck play the best football of his career after he came back from labrum surgery, okay? Frank Reich took—I I know he had all the talent, but— Took a banged-up, after-surgery, Andrew Luck, and he looked phenomenal. Then Jacoby Brissett. Here you go, Jacoby Brissett. Um, how about a 5-2 and two start with less than a month's notice that you're going to be the starter? Jacoby Brissett, who can't find a starting job anywhere in the NFL. 5-2 and two with less than a month to prepare. Then he took Philip Rivers, old man Philip Rivers. And he said, you know what, I'm going to resurrect your career. You're going to look pretty good. And he did that. So I think Frank Reich could take anybody and kind of plug him in here. Now, the question becomes, you know, what are the real value here? Well, you have to ask yourself from a betting perspective, um, well, you know, did I like the Colts before time? And that's always a hard situation because people are so reactionary. Oh, I didn't like the Colts. then. I'm going to jump on them. No, 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 no. Did you like the Colts before, time? I'm not somebody that did, okay? I'm going over my projections, and I'm going, okay, and my AFC, you know, pyramid here of where teams, look, Kansas City and Buffalo are at top. I think Baltimore and Cleveland are the next tier. And then, sure, the Colts. Do I think the Colts could go into Kansas City and win a playoff game? No, I don't. Do I think the Colts could go into Buffalo and win a playoff game? No, I don't. Do I think the Colts can beat Baltimore? Eh, maybe. Do I think the Colts, they could beat Cleveland? Eh, Maybe. But I also think that they are a lot closer to those other mediocre teams, right? I think they're a lot closer to the Tennessees of the world, the Chargers of the world, the Pittsburghs of the world, um, the New Englands of the world. I think they're way closer to them than they are to the Kansas Cities of the world. So I was never looking at them as a Super Bowl contender. I think that they have a lot of good stuff. And you start to convince yourself when you see these odds going up. You start to convince yourself, well, you know, the second half of the season it gets weak and they have a really good running game. Max coming back, two-headed attack. You know, they have a really good defense. We know that. Their offensive line is going to be great. But I I look at the other side of it. Nelson's banged up. Eric Fisher's coming back from a major surgery. I've only saw Jonathan Taylor dominate the last five, six games of the season. Mack coming back might throw that thing off. They really don't have a receiver I overly trust. I mean, I like Pittman, but they don't have a receiver I overly trust. Uh, Their defense is good, not great. It all depends on Rock out there. I, I, I don't know. I didn't believe in them to begin with. So, when I talk about the Indianapolis Super Bowl futures going from 25 to 1 to 40 to 1, I was never having that conversation anyway. You know, I saw a lot of people going, ah, 25 to 1, they're worth a shot. You know, 40 to 1 now with an injured Carson Wentz, who I worry about coming back at all. And then I worry about his headspace when he comes back. And then I worry about, you know, where they'll be. Now he probably has to go on the road to win playoff games. I don't love it. I'm not going anywhere near that. Even at 40 to 1, 41 doesn't tempt me enough. That doesn't tempt me enough. How about the AFC? 20 to 1, you know, and and it was 12 to 1. I'm not going anywhere near that. I don't know why anybody would take it at 12 to 1. Look, if if Indy wins the AFC, they're probably winning the Super Bowl, so I would have (laughs) just, instead of the 20 to 1, I'll just take the 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. But there's no odds there either. Again, the teams that I keep matching up against, it's not one dominant team in Kansas City that maybe get knocked off along the way. I don't think that Indianapolis in the current state right now is among the top three teams, and they're going to have to travel on the road to all three of those places. I don't know if they're a top four team. I think I put Cleveland above them, even before the Wentz injury. I I don't know, really, if I had them doing much. I don't even look. I look at them to win the division. I go, I don't even like that, right? Because you look at at what's gone on. All of a sudden, you know, the Colts, and the titans have flipped. So the Colts went from 12 to 1 to 21. The Titans went from 21 to 20 to 12 to 1. Well, are we just talking now? Are we just saying we're just going to make the whatever team wins that division? That's a weird situation. I don't think the Titans have the defense, so I won't be betting on them, but I'm certainly not going to be betting on the Colts with or without Wentz in that spot. I think it's a bad number. And I don't, I don't care that it's back to 40-1 to 1 or 20-1, to 1, whichever way you're, you're looking at. You want to play division odds? You want to do what I said? Take the Tennessee Titans minus the 120 minus the 130 right now? I'm okay with that. You want to wait it out? Maybe grab the Colts in a great spot if the season works out the right way for you and you're getting a lot of plus money, plus 6, 7, 1. Or, or, oh, yeah. I, I, okay, I'll ride with that. But to think that either one of these teams are going to do huge things this year, I think that was a leap of faith in the beginning anyway. So I'm off of that. Oh, by the way, the big losers in this Carson Wentz uh, going down, obviously, are the Colts, but there is another team. That's the Philadelphia Eagles, right? So the Eagles made the deal, and in the stipulations and and the way that it was written, is they get the number two pick in 2022 they receive, right? Uh, But it improves to a number one if Carson Wentz plays 75% of his plays, Or 70% combined with the Colts making the playoffs. So Philly needs Carson Wentz to get healthy. And you start to think about 75%. Yeah, he's he's got to go out there and he's got to start 12, 13 games, right? Or like, okay, he's got to go out there and he's got to start, you know, 12 games, make the playoffs. So how many games can he miss? He can miss four games. I'm going to be honest with you. I think with all of this that has gone down... Forget about even, well, they might make the playoffs. I don't think Carson Wentz starts 70% of their games. So the big loser in this that nobody's talking about are the Philadelphia Eagles, who probably will now get a, tw- a number two pick in 2022 instead of that number one pick for Carson Wentz. Really rough situation if you are sitting back there in your Philly, but you kind of traded him because you knew he was an injury risk. So. You kinda of still Carson Wentz is still hurting Philly. <laughs> For you Philly fans out there. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this on want Bit Weekend Edition.
0: And now back to Wintering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds?
1: What are the odds? Well, you may have heard that the L.A. teams made some moves this week. Lakers landed Russell Westbrook. The Dodgers got back Scherzer, Trey Turner. Well, the Lakers have moved from plus 450 to plus 350 to win the NBA title. The Nets, by the way, still leading the field at 3-1 favorites. And the Dodgers went from 3-1 to 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 2-1 to win the World Series. L.A., everybody loves it, except the sportsbooks who are just taking massive action and the lines keep moving down. That is what are the odds? Oh yeah, guys, listen, the odds are they are a moving, as they might say. And I want to talk about the Lakers here and, and what they've done because I don't like it. Yeah, look, I just don't like it. Everybody out there in Lakerland, you, you're just really sitting there and applauding LeBron for being the the GM. What we know about LeBron is he likes his friends. The problem is is that he was never able to get all his friends together when they were good. Now, they're not so good, so they're affordable, (laughs) okay? I mean, that's just reality. LeBron's friends, they're affordable now. Well, affordable isn't exactly a good thing, right? You look at this roster, and it's old. It's an old roster. They don't play defense. They're often injured, and they don't have great spacing anyway, I'm thinking about watching a Laker game and what I'm sitting back and talking about. I'm going, okay, let's watch the Lakers here. Clank, 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 brick, brick. They needed shooters on their team. Now, I know they filled their their team with a couple of guys out there, that you know, Ellington, and then you go out there and you get Mello, and you go, okay, these guys can shoot over 38% from the three, so they'll hit their occasional shot. But will they touch the ball? Right? And offense has to run through LeBron. That's what LeBron's going to say, even though this offense should probably run through AD. But we all know the offense will run through Russell Westbrook. What has Russell Westbrook shown us throughout his entire career? The offense will run through me. And Russell Westbrook is going to go out there, and he's going to put up big-time numbers. He's going to go out there, and he's going to absolutely just go out out and, and be an electrifying guy. Oh, man, wow. Oh, you look at him! Oh, electrifying! Oh, this is fantastic! Would you look at Russell Westbrook? What a oh, what a great game! Did they win? Because his career and his history says he's not a winner, right? He's just not a winner. Don't tell me well he didn't have the talent around him. Played with Durant. He played with he played with Durant and the beard man. He's had talent around him. Russell Westbrook. I think this is a bad fit. I've thought that from the very beginning. I don't think that Russ should be here in this spot. But LeBron wanted guys that could be his friend and that's it. Now from the Lakers perspective, I get it. Maybe you're looking at life after LeBron, but this team is just old guys. Okay? Carmelo Anthony is 37 years old. LeBron James is 36. Trevor Ariza is 36. Marcus Gasol is 36. Dwight Howard is 35. Okay? And he's going to be 36 in December. Wayne Ellington 36. Ken Bazemore 32. Russell Westbrook, the baby of the bunch, 32 years old. 32 years old. I, I you know, is this really your future? Are, are, are we are we talking about it? LeBron James got his friends because nobody wanted them. He got his friends because now he can afford them, but it's still a badly, badly constructed team. And you know, I ripped the Yankees for years. And I've said this time and time again. I've gone out there and I've absolutely ripped apart the New York Yankees. And I've ripped apart the New York Yankees for various reasons. But one of the reasons I really you know have ripped the Yankees is because they were poorly constructed this year. And when we sat down and we had a conversation with Michael Kay, broadcaster for the Yankees, and you guys can go back and listen to those interviews if you go uh, and check out the podcast, the most recent ones, and Brian Hoke, both of them said, you know, the Yankees have been constructed poorly. The Yankees needed left-handed bats. And they were constructed poorly. Well, at the trade deadline, Brian Cashman saw this. And he said, you know what? My roster is constructed poorly. What do I need? I need left-handed bats. I need athleticism. I need a center fielder. They went out. They got Gallo, Rizzo, and filled some of those holes. Well, the Los Angeles Lakers, before these moves, before free agency began, what are you looking at the Lakers? Well, they can't stay on the floor. They can't stay healthy. They're an old, aging team uh, that have bad shooters and don't play defense. So what did LeBron do, GM LeBron? What did you do? He went out there. He got older guys. Guys that are even older, then he went out there and he got poor shooters. And he got guys that don't play defense. LeBron looked at the problem and said, I'm going to fix it by getting my friends not looking at the problem and saying, here's what we need. Any Laker fan that watched the Lakers the last two years, what are you going to say? And I know they have a fake championship and all that. What are you going to say about the Lakers the last two years? What is your response going to be? I wish they had some youth on the team. They need a bench that can really shoot. They need a couple of, of role players. No, no, no. They didn't do that. They need a guy that I could I could make sure it plays 80 games. No, they didn't do that. Injured guys, bad shooters. That's what the Lakers got. And they're a collection of names. This team isn't the Shaq-Kobe years, guys. Right? Uh, those great teams. No, 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 no. This team is, is trying to be the Carmelone-Gary Payton years. I mean, that's, that's what it looks like their collection of names. I don't like anything that they did. And we could sit back and we can fantasize as basketball fans and say, "Oh man, the Lakers big 4 against the Nets big 4. AD, you know, uh, against Durant. Westbrook against Kyrie, LeBron against Harden, Melo against Griffin. Oh, this is great." Guys, the Nets big 3 didn't play with each other last year. They didn't play with each other last year because of injuries, and they're not this old. When I tell you that the Lakers have the oldest roster in the NBA this year, no one's going to be surprised, because that's what it is. But the Lakers, they don't only have the oldest roster in the NBA this year. This is historically one of the oldest rosters in history. Now, there were both teams uh, where you had Pippen at the end of his career, Jordan coming to a close, Rodman coming to a close, and they had a forty-three-year-old on their team. Okay, so Robert Parrish. you had those old teams. Their average age was thirty years old. This team is averaging thirty-four years old. That is, it is a remarkable, and it's almost, it's almost thirty-five. Okay, it's a remarkable number. So this is an old, aging team. Don't give me the defiant and I'm. we're going to show you and the old men can win. That's really good for Disney movies, guys. And maybe that's why. Because LeBron James is living in La La Land and he's used to making movies now. Maybe he believes that his movie script team can do something, the bunch of old guys that finally get together after their whole careers because they were buddies and they were hanging out, hanging out in barbershops and and talking. No, that doesn't work in the real world. You know what works in the real world? Giannis dunking on you and getting a championship. That's what works in the real world. None of this garbage. Throw a team up against a wall and hope for the best. Throw a team up against a wall and break a hip with this old crew. I don't like it at all. And it amazes me that people are running to the betting windows to go bet the Lakers. Running, oh my goodness, they did it. They added Carmelo Anthony at 72 years old. That's it. That's the final piece. That's all they needed. Are we kidding? Did Anybody watch that AD can't stay on the court? Anybody notice that LeBron can't stay healthy? Anybody out there, find me a team that had success that had this old of a roster. You're not going to find it out there, guys. You're not. It doesn't happen. And you can sit back and tell me athletes are different nowadays and they go, no, 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 no. I'm comparing these players to the players of this decade and this decade and this year. And they're all, no, no, no. These guys are old guys. Old. And they're bad shooters to boot. And they don't play defense. Well, old guys don't play defense. So I don't like any of the Lakers' moves, and I don't understand why everyone's rushing to the window to go and bet this team. Oh, let's go run out. No, no, no. The New York Knicks made some interesting moves, and uh, Kemba Walker, buyout from the Thunder. He's going to go to the Knicks, the full-time all-star. This is, a, this is a good move for the Knicks. I don't think it's the last thing that the Knicks are going to do. They've been surprisingly quiet. I did read a report that, yes— Oh, by the way, Damian Lillard might come here, but let's talk about Walker because I do think that this makes a lot of sense. He's a native New Yorker, okay? Went to Rice High in Harlem. So it's a homecoming. Gets to play close to UConn. He had a great situation in UConn. We know that, right? He had a bad year last year, but was it really that bad? If you look at pure statistics, and I'm not a guy that just looks at pure statistics, but 19 points a game, 5 assists per game, 4 rebounds a game with a steal. But he only played 43 games. Couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't stay on the court. Julius Randle, Evan Fournay. Look, the Knicks put together a pretty good defense last year. Kemba comes over. He could play some defense. Gives you a little offense. You know, I like the move by the Knicks. Well, what do the sports books say? The odds to win the NBA championship before adding Kemba Walker? Plus 8,000. The odds to win the NBA championship after adding Kemba Walker, plus 8,000. So it didn't move the needle. My thing is this, is that it, are they done? If Here's the, what you really need to take, a, 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 I guess, an inventory of, right? You have to take an inventory of in sports. You have to sit down and go, what are we looking at? In reality terms, if you're sitting back and you want to have this conversation that the New York Knicks have a chance to do big things this year, when I say big things, win an NBA championship or something like that, guys get real, right? I mean, isn't it just guys, guys get real, right? They're not winning an NBA championship this year. The East is too top heavy stacked. Milwaukee, the Nets, Philly. Okay. So they're not winning a championship. Are they going to win the East? No. The East is too well stacked. Milwaukee, the Nets, and Philly. That doesn't mean you can't have a good year. That doesn't mean you can't have a growth year. That doesn't mean we can't make some money off of them. Two-plus money making the playoffs. They'll probably be minus. But, look, I don't expect the Knicks to be the fourth-best team in the league uh, again. But they might be. And I think they're right in that middle area. Look, it's them, the Hawks, Miami, Boston. I think they're right in that middle area. And I think that they have the opportunity to be better than any of them. If Kemba Walker stays healthy, I think they are the fourth best team in the East. I think they're absolutely right there. And you turn it around and you're looking at this and you go, okay, what did the Knicks add? Well, they added a player to kind of keep them where they were. They added a player that'll put excitement back in the garden. They added a player that will will rejuvenate a fan base a little bit more. People are going to go get this guy's jersey. It's a nice situation. Kemba Walker is a very good player. With all that said, I don't think the Nets are done. Uh, The Knicks are done. And and in order to catch a team like the Nets, you got to go out there and you got to make a big move. In order to catch a team like Milwaukee or even Philly, got to make a big move. All the reports keep saying that Damian Lillard wants to come to New York. Guys, Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker, and and now you get into a Randall or Fourier. Oh, now I'm excited. Now as a Knicks fan, If you put Dame in this spot, obviously it depends on who they're going to go trade away from him. But if you're able to—maybe Kemba's going to go, right? If you're able to keep this team basically intact, and you add Damian Lillard to the mix, and you have a lineup—they probably would have to get Will Walker. But if you had a lineup with Walker and Dame and Randall, and you're able to work that out, now all of a sudden I'm having a conversation. Because now all of a sudden, you are head and shoulders clearly above the Boston Celtics. There's, there's no arguing that. You are head and shoulders above them. You're, I think you're head and shoulders above Atlanta. And I know Atlanta had their little run, but I still think Atlanta is a one-man team. Head and shoulders above them. I think you're above Atlanta. I think you're also above Miami. So you are securely in that number four spot. If Philly gets rid of Ben Simmons, and I can't count on Joel Embiid to stay healthy the whole year, you can leapfrog Philly with that team. Milwaukee, if Milwaukee loses focus... And they come back to the pack a little bit. Is it possible that the Knicks with Damian Lillard, are they better than Milwaukee? I think they can be. I think they certainly can be. So the only team that we're talking about on paper as of now in August that is a clear-cut better team than them in the East is the Brooklyn Nets, who can't stay healthy. And the big three don't know really how to play with each other. It's an interesting scenario when you start to break it down. Really interesting. By the way, the Bulls made a lot of cool moves. Um, I like what they're doing and I call them cool moves because it's no earth-shattering big moves, but a uh, uh, starting five, a ball, Levine, DeRozan, Williams, Vukovic. I am excited as a Bulls fan. Uh, to if I am a Bulls fan, sitting back and going, all right, this is this is pretty nice. This is pretty nice. I want to see how DeRozan fits in with Levine. But they're gonna be competitive. Do I think that they're in that top four range? No. I, I I think that they're about the seventh or eighth best team. They'll sneak into the playoffs. And that's how you got to look at this from a betting perspective. They are still plus money to make the playoffs this year. And if you could get the bulls at plus money, it's definitely something to go, okay. Uh, you know, I like that. The Bulls aren't doing anything big this year, but at plus money to make the playoffs, and when their team totals come out, which I know they're not here, I'm going to be going over it because I like the makeup of the Bulls. I like how they're reinventing themselves, and this Bulls team looks a little bit different. All right, guys. What about the Phoenix Suns? Well, they get Chris Paul. I thought he was out of his mind to walk away from the $44 million guarantee. And, you know, that's the, the thing here. I sat here day after day after day saying Chris Paul will not leave the Suns. He will not leave the Suns. But I also sat here and said, there's no way he's walking away from the money. Well, I was wrong in one part, but I was right. Look, he left because he kind of had Phoenix over a barrel, right? After everything Chris Paul did for this this city, for this team, he was a mentor. He's done everything right. After all that he's done, the 16-year veteran basically said, you have to pay me. And Phoenix said, Okay, it's a new four-year deal that could be worth as much as $120 million. He doesn't do anything flashy, guys, but he's clearly the face of the franchise. Okay, and he thinks that he can win with this team. Just went to the finals with this team. So, it makes sense. Now, he had surgery after the NBA finals, so I'm not sure... I want to invest a four-year contract, $120 million, into a 36-year-old that was seen wearing tape on his left wrist and had wrist surgery on his shooting hand, okay? But he declined his $44 million player option, signed the four-year deal. All right, I get it. Chris Paul is a guy that they had to sign, even though I don't love the signing. Phoenix is still going to be formidable next year. I think they play in the West, which is a tough division to play in. Um, I think they are in a position where you look at the Phoenix Suns and you go, all right, they have some nice things I like, some nice things I don't like. I, I'm not doing anything specific with them and it, it really doesn't really doesn't do much. Real quick before we take uh, a, a little bit of a, a break here off of the NBA and get into Major League Baseball, I do want to mention, the Lakers and a bet that was made on them. Because look, we're a sports betting show, uh, you know, when we're talking about doing the podcast here, this is what we do. And you got to love a guy with this kind of foresight. You have to love a sports better. It's not I don't know who it is, okay, but it's being reported. Because this is just cool. All right, I'm a sports better. I've done weird quirky things like this before that nobody seems to understand. But when I see it come across the wire, I got to go, yeah, this is pretty cool. So the first bet on the Lakers, okay, um, after the move, line movement, and the Superbook moved them down to 7-2 to two to win the 2022 title. So the first bet comes in, and it's being reported. That was taken, and, and what do you think it is? Oh, it's a big bet, right? It's got to be a big bet if I'm reporting on it, and it's the first bet. Yeah, it is. Here's the number. $28,571.45. And you're going, What? Kind of quirky, weird, crazy wager is that? Well, I give this sports better all kinds of props, man. Twenty-eight thousand dollars, five hundred and seventy-one and forty-five cents. Well, the reason why is because if you take that number. 45 cents. Do the number. Put it in your computer, which we all, they told us in school, we were not all going to have a calculator on us. You won't always have a calculator. Yes, we do. It's all on our phone. Put that down. Do it times seven to two odds. Where do you come out to? Exactly $100,000 to the dollar. So I just wanted to tell you guys that because from a sports betting uh, perspective, it's just cool. It's cool. He figured it out right down to the 45 cents. Give me those seven to two odds. It's going to be a cool hundred k exactly right right on the number you gotta love it I don't love the bet because I don't like the Lakers but I like the theory behind the bet guys uh, but we're gonna find out who's right or who's wrong is it me or is it that guy and now let's go bet to the future we're sending you back to the future okay all right bet, bet to, to, the to the future, future. All right, guys, let's bet to the future. Well, after being picked by the Pistons, Cunningham surely is the future, and he is the favorite to win the 2022 NBA Rookie of the Year Award. Bovada numbers came out, and Cade Cunningham is plus 250 to win that award. Jalen Green is plus 450. Evan Mobley, plus 550. Jalen Suggs, 8-1. to one. And Scotty Barnes, 8-1 to one odds. That is bet to the future. Yeah, you know, look, he is their future, right? I mean, you look at it and you go, I don't know if he's going to be a star. Look, Cunningham was clearly going to go. He was minus 5,000. I saw him up to minus 10,000 on some sites. Uh, He was clearly going to go number one overall. I don't think that there was any doubt there. I think the big question is, is he a superstar or is he just a star? And, you know, it's okay to just be a star. I mean, that's okay. It's fine to just be a star and not just... an overall superstar. I'm I'm kind of torn there where he's going to go and and what he's going to be. Is he the star or is he a superstar? Um, I want to touch on baseball real quick and then I do have to go back to the NFL like I promised. But Major League Baseball, look, this week what we watched was a lot of COVID cases coming up, especially for the New York Yankees. We watched the New York Yankees get devastated on a, a position where they opened up as a minus 475 favorite with Garrett Cole on the mound. It went all the way down to minus uh, 250, and then right before first pitch, I had heard it went to about 220, but well, the Yankees still won. They scored 13 runs in that game and won, but the Yankees are gaining momentum. The Yankees, all of a sudden, are a team to start betting on, and we said that, everyone's looking at the trade deadline. We said that when the spider attack came out. When the spider attack came out, I want to go back and remind people. I told you guys, start betting the Yankees team total overs, start betting the Yankees, and start betting the overs. I know the Yankees have a hefty price tag. But we saw this coming. We spoke to Michael Kay, the Yankee broadcaster, and Brian Hawk and they both told us from a betting perspective um, that, look, the the players in that locker room really, truly believe that the loss of the spider attack and all that's going on, uh, that the hitters are going to just explode, and they have. You add Rizzo and Gallo to the mix, they really have. The Yankees are a team, I'm telling people, still start taking these overs. Uh, they're still in a position where they're, they're not being valued where they should. They're just not. It's not a valuable position where they're coming from right now. The New York Yankees overs are something to look at this week coming up, and especially they have Kansas City for a slew of games here all of a sudden. And you look at the New York Yankees and you go, well, they're beating you know the ball all over the field against the Orioles, well, that's easy. Well, yeah, but you know what? Those numbers were still in a position. They have Kansas City for three games starting Monday. They have the White Sox, who, look, I know the White Sox have good pitching, but those are going to be high-scoring games. They have the Angels, then Boston, Minnesota in a four-game set. Those will be high-scoring games. The Angels again, Oakland, Atlanta, Baltimore, they have six more times before the end of the year. They still have Texas. Uh, I mean, there is going to be some runs scored here, and I just don't think they're still being valued. In the same light. So it's something to pay attention to. Also, I also told you guys bet against the New York Mets. Well, if you go back and you're looking at the last month and a half of the season, the New York Mets have the 22nd most runs uh, allowed against. Their team is bad. They have fallen really hard, and I expect this week the first place to just be going, oh, bye-bye, see you later, first place, because it could be a number of teams that take them over. We're talking about the Mets could be in third place by the end of this weekend, and if Washington didn't have a fire sale, they could have been staring in fourth place. When a team is reeling like this, yet they're still throwing out starters that have pretty good numbers, this is a time where you jump on them, and there's some value. Speaking of starters, Jacob deGrom, look, they asked DeGrom, uh, is there any concern that you will miss the rest of the season? He said, I would say no, not right now. It depends on hopefully the next image of the inflammation. He's scheduled for an MRI on August 13th. Guys, when I read someone say, I would say no, not right now. Yeah, it depends on on what we have. That means yes. That, that's what I I read that as. Yeah, there is a chance and there is a concern that I will miss the rest of the season. If somebody said this to you, put it this way, okay, right? Put it in real life terms. If somebody said to you, you know, I'm having a party on Friday night. I'd love for you to be there. And their answer to you was, you know, I, I'd love to come. I'm going to try to make it, okay? But I have a lot of work. I usually get out late on Fridays and Fridays are a little hectic, but I'm going to try. Do you pencil him in oh yeah, that guy, that guy's definitely coming. Oh yeah, I better buy extra food for that dude. No, you're going, look, he's concerned he might not make it. He's concerned. There's concern here. Jacob DeGrom might not pitch again. Guys, any futures bets that you took on the Mets, I'm sorry. They don't look good right now. I, uh, the Mets are a fade against for me. So I wanted to touch on a little bit about, about Major League Baseball. Obviously, the big moves, I think the Yankees did really well. I do think the Astros did really well. Their bullpen issues, they went out there and they really fixed. San Diego's a big loser there. I know they added some pieces. Not enough to me because L.A. really went crazy. Chris Bryant being added in San Francisco is exactly what they needed. Um, And I think San Francisco will probably be overtaken here, but still going to be a great year for them. The White Sox added pieces they need. The White Sox look just, uh, they look like a, dominating team the Red Sox didn't really need to add something because Chris Sale is gonna come back and really help them out so basically baseball trade deadline it was interesting the, the Mets went out there they got Javi Baez I don't think it moved the needle enough and I'm still scratching my head I have no idea what's happening in Colorado I have no forget about the Trevor story stuff because Trevor story should be gone should be gone but forget about Trevor story stuff John Gray you didn't get anything for him you didn't get anything for Daniel Bard Jermaine Marquez wasn't on the market Look Look at the return that a guy like Starling Marte got. Jesus Lizardo, that's a massive, massive talent. Look at the return that, that some of these giant minor leaguers went for. I mean, big, we're talking about big-time talent. Austin Martin, that's a big-time talent, guys, went to Minnesota. So, you know, look, you know, the trading deadline, you try to hype it up because it's a massive day of the year. But at the end, I still think, The Rich got richer. Dodgers got richer. Yankees got richer. The the White Sox got richer. The Astros got richer. Teams that needed some stuff, San Francisco, the Mets, Milwaukee, they got some stuff. They got enough, right, to kind of keep it here. But there's nobody that I'm looking at that the day before the trade deadline, I was like, oh, well, they're done. That all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there you go. They're great. The Yankees might be in that mix. I think they made great moves that they had to make. But I always thought that their offense was going to turn around anyway. All right, I want to get back into a little bit of NFL, only because, uh, look, training camp is here. We know that there are some rumors, there's some issues, there's coach speak, there's best shape of my life nonsense. But some of this stuff you have to pay attention to, okay? And you have to start to pay attention to some of the things that are being said. A massive concern of mine, massive concern, is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a guy that I see in fantasy circles being picked very high. But in a betting world, I'm seeing people. He's the new fashionable pick to lead the league in passing yards. He's the new fashionable guy. And I'm going, you know, I don't know about that. It makes sense. Joe Burrow's got a big arm, loves to pass the ball. He dropped back more than any other quarterback when he was healthy. They got an extra receiver now. Their receivers are fantastic. They have a offense that can do great things. The offense. of The offensive coordinator isn't even calling the shots because it's the head coach who was an offensive coordinator, offensive mind under McVay. Oh, it all makes sense. By the way, they have a terrible defense, so they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. They're going to let them throw all day. I get the philosophy. I was worried about the knee. So I kept looking up reports. How's Joe Burrow looking? How's the knee looking? What's going on with with Joe Burrow? I'm wondering. What's going on? How is this? Hold on a second. Here we go. All of a sudden, you start to hear about Joe Burrow, and it, it makes you get nervous. Things that I have heard. Now, I know last week on Tuesday, he went 5 of 12. No passes over 10 yards. That's what he did. Okay, you go, it's a bad day of training. All right, no problem. Push that aside. This is a reporter in Cincinnati. It's just not looking good right now. Throws that feel, feel like layups are dropping harmlessly away from receivers. Plays that are being challenged are being easily broken up. And you go, okay, so he's, he's having a bad camp. He's got to give, give him a couple of times. Well, no, here's, here's the big red flag that I've seen. He's lifting his leg more than once in camp to get away from the rush. You know, you're running back and all of a sudden somebody's kind of in your face. You're lifting your leg. Yeah, that's his injured leg. These guys that are coming after him are not allowed to hit Joe Burrow. Now, I'm not saying he's gun-shy. I'm not saying that he's scared in the pocket. What I'm saying is he doesn't trust his, his knee. He doesn't trust it. So, when an athlete doesn't trust a body part, we've seen in the past, two things can happen. Either A, it gets in their head. They start playing different. You play your game different, and it affects the game. Or, B, you try to overly adjust, and something else gets injured. I'm very... Very concerned about Joe Burrow right now. And I'm even more concerned when I look at their schedule. Okay? I don't expect him to play in the preseason. No big deal. Regular season, you get Minnesota week one. All right. I think Zimmer's going to have something for him. He's going to come after him. But that's not as devastating. The next two games, Chicago pass rush in Chicago, Pittsburgh pass rush in Pittsburgh. You could very well make a good argument that's two of the top five pass rushing defenses in the NFL. Pittsburgh probably number one. Chicago's probably right inside the top five. That's massive. Watt and Mac coming at you early on when you're trying to get a little bit underneath you with your knee. Guys, look at this. Look at what Joe Burrow is. I'm massively, massively concerned with Joe Burrow. So that's one note. Um, the other note, let's talk about <laughs> Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's having a tough camp. First day on Tuesday, first time he was a quarterback, one, played with the first team, interception. Yeah, that that's about right. <laughs> that's about right for Jameis. I, look, I don't understand you because Jameis Winston is also the guy that everyone's going out there and they're all making bets. He's going to lead the league in passing yards. No, he's not. He doesn't have Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara's been shown, you know what, he's he's going to catch some balls out of the backfield, but he's going to do that with Drew Brees. His numbers drop a lot when it's not Drew Brees back there. He's got nobody number two to throw the ball to. We're not even sure if he's going to win the job with Taysom Hill out there. It's a bad situation. I, I'm i sitting back and I'm going, look, I don't love it. I don't love Jameis Winston. I don't love, I, and I, I get the odds. Well, I just did it for the odds sake. Eh, but I'm here to tell you that I don't think either one of those are good bets. Okay, talking about guys that are a little bit banged up. Kenny Galladay, you know, he, it's not a good situation. He is a injury history guy that left camp limping off the field. The Giants gave him four years, $72 million for a 27-year-old with two good seasons and an injury history. Not a good situation right there. Tyreek Hill left the field. He was banged up. Stafford hurt his finger. Um, Harris in Pittsburgh was banged up, so a lot of these banged up things, you just try to keep a little bit of an eye on. You go, okay, banged up could turn into lingering very fast. Depends on what's the injury. Tyreek Hill says it's tendonitis. Galladay it could be a lingering situation, and that's a worry when you're starting to make futures plays and start really break things down. Yeah, that that could be an issue. And then you have the idea. Um, about these rookie quarterbacks. And you're always going to kind of hear some good coach speak when you have rookie quarterbacks being tossed around in, in the fray. Well, Trey Lance and Justin Fields. They sit at just about 8-1 to and 7-1 to to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, I would never bet against Trevor Lawrence. It's a very tough thing for me to do. He's 3-1 to to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm big on Jacksonville this year. I've been big on Trevor Lawrence. I'm as hyped as Trevor Lawrence as I've been on any quarterback since Andrew Luck. I, I actually love this guy, okay? I think he's going to have a great year. So it's hard for me to go against him, but I have to talk to you guys about value. Number two is Najee Harris at 5-1. to He's already banged up in Steelers camp, just a little FYI. And then you have... Trey Lance, Justin Field, depending on where you look him, plus 700, plus 800, whatever they might be. Justin Field, everyone, oh, you should start game one. He will not start game one. And the Bears have two banged up offensive linemen. Look at exactly what I just talked about, about Joe Burrow. They don't want that to be the situation. So Trey Lance is not starting game one. It doesn't mean that he's not a value, but he gets lowered in my mindset, okay? So now we go on to the other guy, and the other guy is Trey Lance. And I'm getting a little interested all of a sudden in Trey Lance. Look, I talked, I've had guys on when nobody knew who Trey Lance was. I had guys on my show talking about the FCS and how good Trey Lance was. And I'm not talking about 2020. I had guys on in 2019 because that's how much I knew about him. Okay. I'm a big fan, but I thought there's no way Trey Lance will ever start this season. He can't. Shanahan's going to get him. He's going to take him under his wing. He's going to absolutely make sure that he gets a full year. He's going to do the Aaron Rodgers treatment to him. This is what's going to happen with Trey Lance. Well, Trey Lance got reps this week with the starters. And Trey Lance wasn't going to. Shanahan said he's not going to get reps with the starters, not going to get reps with the starters. Guys, he got reps with the starters this week. And Trey Lance got reps with the starters. And all of a sudden you go, why isn't he the starter? It took him three reps to get a touchdown. Three plays, drive down the field and got a touchdown. One reporter said he saw something on the field he's never seen from a quarterback ever. Threw across the field, 50-yard touchdown bomb. People exploded and nobody knew what they just watched. Okay, because that was Trey Lance. Five Lance rushing plays, five for five on passing plays in his time with the starters. That was Trey Lance. Now, you start to push this aside and you say, you know, well, it's just the camp news. It is what it is. Look, I used to say the same thing, and it's easy to say the same thing. But you know who I used to say that about? I used to say that about Patrick Mahomes. When I read in camp, and Patrick Mahomes was sitting behind Alex Smith at the time, and everyone said he's not going to start, and I kept reading, Man, he's making throws you've never seen before. Man, he's doing things athletically we've never watched before. We haven't seen since Aaron Rodgers. I kind of brushed it aside, and I said, well, you know what, but he's going to be a backup to Alex Smith. And he was. He was a backup to Alex Smith. Alex Smith wasn't exactly the injured guy that Jimmy Garoppolo is. I'm looking at Trey Lance at plus 800. And I don't know if I'm diving into those that number, but it's starting to get tempting. Because I know what Trey Lance can do. And if Shanahan looks at him in the light that I do, There's no way Jimmy G can be the starter for a long time. He just can't. You can't roll this guy out there and think, you know what? This guy's going to be my starter. You can't do it if you know you have a better starter sitting on the bench. Head coaches don't do that, guys. I don't know if he starts week one, but Trey Lance is starting to become very intriguing at 8-1 to odds. All right, guys. That's going to do it for me. Enjoy all the week's games. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.
0: This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at SportsGarten. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarten.com.